that you might instill it in our hearts and our minds, that we might listen well so that we might put it into practice. And we do pray these things for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. When was the last time you did a good deed to someone? Think about it. When was the last time? When was the last time you gave a tip for a, a meal you had or a cup of coffee? Have you visited the sick or the needy lately? Maybe this last 12 months. What about the needy? People that are doing it tough. What about bringing food for Anglicare? Have you picked someone up lately and, and, and taken them to shopping? Have you offered to serve? Or maybe come to one of the church's working bee? When you go out with others, are you the first or the last to bring out your wallet? Have you helped your neighbour with their garden or their lawns? When did you last invite somebody to church? Are you doing good? And that's the question I want to ask uh, uh, this morning. In our verse for the day, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. So why do we do good? There are several reasons there. Firstly, it makes us feel good. Uh, because we are created in the image of God and by name, God is good and he is the doer of good. And if we are his people... He wants us to do good. It's the right thing to do. It nourishes our soul. It's satisfying when we do what God does. And even Jesus said it is blessed to give. Secondly, it blesses the other person. The Bible continually encourages us to build the other person up. When people thank me or encourage me, they're doing good to me. And likewise... When you uh, befriend someone who is going through tough times or difficulties, uh, their unfortunate circumstance, you are doing good. Thirdly, we are, we are commanded in the scriptures to do good. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. Do not withhold good. Folks, I know sometimes we do get tired and uh, we are not always encouraged uh, if we are involved in doing good or doing a ministry. But you know what? God doesn't want us to be quitters. He wants us to be faithful in doing good for each other, even, even when there's no thanks. And I know sometimes we can get angry and we can say things like, or we think things like, why should I keep on doing my bit when there are people who are bludgeoned? Why should I do good when, well, does it do any good anyway? Why should I do good when people criticise me? Friends, the command to do good has a purpose because it is God's will and we don't always see uh, the, the, the end picture. It honours him. The Bible also speaks about we reap a reward. There's always a promise of a reward in heaven, what we do on earth. And if we rarely sacrifice, if we rarely put ourselves out for others, then can we expect much of a reward in heaven? 
Friends, there is a judgment, <clears throat> pardon me, how we live this life. And I'm not talking about a heaven and hell uh, judgment. That judgment was taken by the Lord Jesus when he died on the cross. But the Bible speaks of a judgment that we all have to give an account for all the gifts that you have, for all the opportunities that we have. And the words we want to hear from the Lord Jesus right at the end is those words, well done, good and faithful servant, don't we? Yeah? That's what we want to hear. Or we'll be rebuked by the Lord Jesus for our slackness to do good. Fifthly, we are doing it for Jesus. Can I read to you from Matthew's Gospel? It's a real telling passage. He says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for the, for the one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Hear what Jesus is saying. When we do good to each other, we're actually doing good for Jesus. And conversely, when we withhold doing good, we are robbing Jesus of good and honour. You see, when we slander, when we live ungodly lives, when we spread gossip or innuendo or even persecute other Christians, we are, we are doing that to Jesus. You might remember that story when the Apostle Paul, he was travelling down the road to the Damascus and, and the Lord Jesus appeared to him and he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The Apostle Paul... He, he thought he was doing the good thing. He thought he was doing the right thing. He was uh, persecuted. He was even killing Christians. And yet Jesus says, why are you doing this to me? You see, when we do good to each other, we do good to Jesus. When we withhold, when we hurt or think ill of others, we malign Jesus. It's also a response to the goodness of God. Uh, Ephesians, Paul says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Folks, I need to make it very clear. We are not saved. We are not forgiven by our good works, are we? Are we? No, we are not. We are saved by the Good Friday cross. We are saved by Jesus' death and his resurrection. That's how we are forgiven. That's how we have that hope of heaven, by what Jesus has done, the goodness of Jesus. We are saved by the grace of God in response to the grace of God. God says, do good. Be good. God wants us to do good as a thank you way. You see, good works is not the fruit of our salvation. It is the fruit of our salvation, I should say, and not the root of our salvation. Folks, can I say, if we're not putting ourselves out for others, we haven't really got under, an understanding of the goodness of God. 
and he has held nothing back for you and for me. His goodness came at a great cost. We, 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 we are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are adopted into his family. We have a future of heaven. We have purpose in life. And we have been given the Holy Spirit till we get there. You see, doing good uplifts others. It nourishes our soul and it puts a smile on God's face for it glorifies him. Our faith flourishes when we exercise a generous spirit. Well, who do we do good to? Who do we do good to? Firstly, the church family. Again, uh, from that uh, reading in Galatians, therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You see, our first priority in doing good is to the people of our family, the church. In the uh, very first picture of uh, the church in Acts chapter 2, we read that they did everything together. We read that they were devoted to, the, to hearing the scriptures. They were devoted to uh, prayer, the Lord's Supper. They were devoted to sharing with one another. They were devoted to helping one another. It actually says, and they gave to everyone who had need. You see, the church is a family. They did everything together for the family. And that's what you do with your own families. You, you, you look after your own family first, don't you? And that's what God wants. Our church, not everyone gets this. For many people, church is a place we go to. Well, it should be an opportunity to share with one another, to encourage and help one another. Folks, uh, over the years I've been to various churches and uh, every church except one, and that was because I wasn't the minister I established a thing that I call the uh, Men at Six and it was a Bible study for blokes at 6am in the morning. And uh, we used to meet there, don't worry, I'm not going to start it here, right? <laughs> but at first, when I first, you know, waved the idea, everyone's going, six in the morning? And it really was for, uh, for tradies because I, I soon realised that there were a lot of tradies who weren't going to Bible study because, you know, they were too tired during the day and for some of them, even six o'clock wasn't early enough. But we ran with six o'clock and a lot of the, uh, uh, the guys who were retired, they came too and we had breakfast together and it was a good breakfast. And I'm not exaggerating, we had bacon and eggs, sausages, we had mushrooms, tomatoes and, uh, and sometimes we would have those, what do you call those things, uh, the potato things? Hash browns. Everybody wanted to come to the men's breakfast, men at six. And I would do a short Bible study and we would pray for the guys uh, who, had, uh, who were going through difficulty. And at one stage there was one bloke who had lost his job and he also had an MS. And the reason why I'm telling you this story is because it didn't come from me. It came from one of the guys and he said, why don't we put some money towards for this guy? And it was suggested, why don't we give 20 bucks a week, we'll put it in an envelope, when you can, give it, and someone will deliver it to his place. And you know what? That happened for two or three years. 
And my, it just warmed the cockles of my heart, can I say? Because it was God's church in action. Folks, there is nothing better than the local church when the local church is loving each other. Who else deserves it? To those who need it or deserve it. Uh, people who are struggling. There may be people that you know in this congregation that need help. Maybe the church can, uh, can help. But individually, we have, I know we have limited resources, time and energy, and I know we can't respond to every need. But can I say this? Don't use an, that as an excuse to do nothing. Because over the years, that's what I've found out. People have said, oh, there's too much to do. The need is too great. The, the, you know, we haven't got enough resources. And you know what? They end up doing nothing. Don't let that happen. We need wisdom in our judgments. Uh, some people are unable to get a full-time job. Uh, but there are some people who, uh, I guess, who don't want a job and don't deserve it. Uh, Paul actually talks about this in 2 Thessalonians 3. There are, they were Christians who were waiting for the Lord's return. And uh, some of those people thought, he's coming you know, next week. He's coming very soon. And they thought, well, there's no reason to work because Jesus is coming. And, you know, I, uh, my sister lived, uh, I won't tell you where she lived, but there was a guy across the road who was like that. His lawns were about knee high. He was a Christian man. And the reason why he didn't want to mow his lawns or do any work around the household because Jesus is coming. And uh, he knew I was uh, st- at the time studying uh, to uh, be in the ministry and he would, he would see me and I would come in and he would say, Brother, Jesus is coming. And I felt a couple of times like shouting back, not until you cut your lawns, mate. <laughs> Otherwise, Paul says, if a man does not work, he should not eat because they become busybodies. I know there are some people who don't deserve it. Some people are just bludgers. There are people who legitimately need help through no fault of their own. But it's hard to know who is legitimate. I mentioned this morning that um, there used to be a number of people used to come to our door Uh, when I was the senior minister of a church and they would knock on the door and they would have a need and I would just about cry. I remember there was one time with my wife, this guy, he was a Greek gentleman and he said he hadn't eaten food for such a long time and uh, I sort of looked at Deb and I said, well, I think we were eating spaghetti at the time. And uh, he came in and and Deb, you know, she had to make... uh, real miracle, uh, six out of five uh, servings. And what was really interesting, when the guy started eating uh, the spaghetti and, you know, my young boys and the family were all looking at him, all of a sudden he went, that is not how you cook spaghetti. <laughs> he had to go at Debbie because she didn't cook it right. <laughs> but, folks, can I say, there are times when I knew people were taking advantage of me. And uh, I just decided that I would, would err on the side of generosity because I would never know who is legitimate. I would never know who is fair dinkum. And often the people who are fair dinkum wouldn't be the people knocking at your door. 
You'd see them in the streets. They wouldn't come to you necessarily. Sometimes we might want to do good to one another, show acts of kindness when people reciprocate. You know what I mean? You, you invite someone for tea and you know that they're going to invite you back. And that's okay. But listen what Jesus says. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? See, Jesus is saying even the ungodly do that. Why not do acts of kindness, do good to the poor and disadvantaged, who can't reciprocate, who are neglected, who may be not like you? And thirdly, who should we do good to? It's to the church's gospel work. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 8 says, Excel in the grace of giving he says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. And elsewhere, Paul says, the worker deserves his wages. Paul is challenging the Corinthians to be generous. And he's, uh, he's using the Macedonians who are down the road, and they were a lot poorer church, and that they were giving as, as much as they could. And Paul says, you know, be like these guys who are given their absolute best. It costs money to advance the gospel. It costs money to upkeep the, the church. Just ask some, some of the wardens and they'll tell you that. But Paul says your gift will be a litmus test to how much you love Jesus. It's always good. I, I just found it great when uh, direct giving uh, came into existence because you didn't have to worry about it. You didn't have to think about it again. You just made your mind once and you'd think, okay, it just goes out every, every week, every Sunday. The other thing I found out in ministry is uh, hands up those people who have heard about the Pareto Principle. No, the Pareto Principle. That's when 20% of people give 80% of the money. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And my job in ministry was always to try to make it 30, 70, 40, 60 if I could. But it's, it really is a true figure. If you got rid of those 20%, you wouldn't have much money coming in. 20% of the people give 80% of the money Folks, can I say, please be prayerful with your generosity. It is really good to see that you're above budget at the moment. That's really good. But when your new bloke comes, the new minister comes, guess what? He's going to spend all of that. And at the moment, you're above your, your budget because you're not paying full wages for a minister. And I want to encourage you, it's great that you're above budget, but keep on being generous and if you can excel Jesus came to seek to save the lost to do good through our generosity uh, will win people to Christ well finally how do we do good not reluctantly <laughs> uh, do not withhold good from those who is due when it is in your power to act if we were created in the image of God and we are we are to be generous in doing good with our time and our money 
uh, doing things grudgingly, they will not please God. And you know what I mean, don't you? Parents, you ask your child to take out the garbage bin and they do it grudgingly. Oh, do I have to? And they go out the door, they slam the door and they, you can hear the wheelie bin go, rah, 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 rah. Right there and bang. Doesn't happen with you guys though, does it? Can I say, it brings no joy to the parents when people th- do things grudgingly. And folks, if we're saying, oh, God, you want some money? Put it in the plate. It gives God no joy. Not reluctantly, but cheerfully. Paul says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what he has decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. If we do things reluctantly, we have forgotten the grace of God. We have forgotten Good Friday. We have forgotten what Jesus has done for you and for me. Friends, when we come back to the cross, and we should always come back to the cross, we see the, the cost was unprecedented. The cost of Jesus... Was unbelievable, unequaled. Are we really generous in doing good? Are we doing it cheerfully, as a as a as a sign of saying thank you to God? Do we really believe all that you have is God's anyway, and we are just stewards of what He's given us? And I'm talking about our time. I'm talking about our skills, our money. I'm talking about everything. You reap what you sow, the Bible says. If you're a scab in doing good, good won't come back to you. Well, when do we do good, finally? Uh, Again, from our verse, uh, do not withhold good from those whom it is due when it is your power to act. In other words, when the opportunity arises... And Grace has already mentioned the Good Samaritan. And then, again, there was that guy who was, you know, beaten up and he was probably robbed and he was bleeding, he was on the side of the road. And these two religious guys, two minister blokes, they're walking down the road and they see him and they think, geez, if we get too close, we might have to do something. So they walked on the other side of the road. And then Jesus tells about this Samaritan guy, a non-religious guy, he, he sees this guy with these great need and he helps him, he takes him, he takes him to the motel and he says to the motel owner, you know, if there's any more expenses, then I'll, I'll pick him up tomorrow and I'll pay you what I owe you. You see, he knew what it meant to be a good neighbour. He knew what it meant to love your neighbour. And Jesus commended this good Samaritan and you know what he said right at the end? Do likewise. They're the words for you and for me. Do likewise. Again, I know we have limited time but I want to say let's take the risk. Test God in your generosity and time because you will never be shortchanged, folks. You will never be shortchanged. 
God is good, is he not? God is good. We are the people of God. We are to be good. So be good. Do not withhold good from those whom it's due when it is in your power to act. Folks, why don't we just bow our heads as we pray? And Grace is going to come up and she's going to continue to lead us in prayer. Thanks, Grace. And as, we, as Grace comes up, why don't we just think about those times we haven't always loved God, loved each other, those times 